Welcome, listeners, to Episode 5 of Caffeinated Innovation, Season 1. Happy to have you back. So in this episode today, we are interviewing Kevin Kelly with Rabbit and a former executive in residence with Innovation Works, Des O'Connor. And on today's episode, we're going to learn all about how the relationship between IW and Rabbit really formulated at those early stages and where Rabbit is hoping to go. Happy listening. Oh, I think my drug of choice would definitely be coffee, and usually it's black coffee with no cream, no sugar. I just take it straight up, and I like it cold more than I do uh, black or cold more than I do hot. And I once I discovered like nitro cold brew, which a lot of coffee places started doing. That is like I'm like the Kool Aid man. Like I just go through a wall <laughs> with that stuff. It gets me going. Like it's fantastic. Any time of day or just morning. Typically, just morning. Typically, typically, primarily in the morning. Okay. Right. I'm not. Like, I don't. I kind of try to like taper it off. Like well, I once had a, a good friend of mine who's a child psychologist, like like my wife, uh, describe parenthood as a series of uppers and downers. <laughs> Basically, caffeine to deal with it in the morning or the rush, and then booze in the evening to just taper off and like come to ease with the, to grips with everything after the kids are down. So. Uh, yeah. I saw he's not a parent yet. That yeah, so I have an almost two-year-old. So, uh, so I'm sure you need. Yeah, it's I'm, I'm feeling the cycle that Dave described to me some years ago. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And Des, what about you? What's your favorite form of caffeine? I'm just straight up uh, regular coffee, dark roast. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty simple. Yep. Morning, You've met me. Just, just, morning. just morning. Otherwise, just morning. do you ever do an Irish coffee? Eh, not really. <laughs> not me either. I, I think it's just like. Uh, what is an Irish coffee? It's coffee with whiskey in it. Who's in it? Yeah. 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 So I mean, after, like after dinner drink kind of a thing. Yeah. Hot. Yeah. Yeah. Keep the evening going. You know. Uh, I think like Red Bull and vodka takes me back to the days of the Barcelona nightclub scene, Ugh. and that is. Yeah, me too. That. <laughs> That stuff would uh, that always ends you up on a, a different kind of adventure. But uh, mixing your upper ends and downers, kids, not a great, not the best healthy idea, but uh, it leads to some fun nights. Yeah. And Jen, remind me, what's your favorite caffeine? My favorite caffeine is matcha. Oh yes, this is new actually. So it is new. Uh, I am obsessed with matcha, and I get it from this like woman-owned store in New York. They don't have it anywhere in Pittsburgh, so I have to order it. Okay. Wow. It's intense. Yeah. Uh, it's matcha she also, turmeric, actually. She also carries this It's delicious, and I carry this bag. It's delicious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. yeah. Pam, what's yours? So, I'm a big tea drinker. I actually don't like the taste of coffee. Hmm. Never have. Nothing coffee flavor. It's an acquired taste. It is. I never acquired it, and I'm yeah. fine with that. Uh, tea is my thing. Love tea. And Earl Grey is my favorite. And there are so many variations of Earl Grey now, so yeah. I always enjoy finding a new uh, new form of Earl Grey tea. Mm-hmm. Have even ventured into making the Earl Grey tea cookies or other desserts mm-hmm. that you can have. Oh, my goodness. Well, thank you for coming in today. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. Um, so I guess first, before we begin, can you tell us a little bit about Rabbit? Yeah, so Rabbit uh, is... It's a company that that we wanted to start. That my co-founder and I really, uh, back in the days when we were working with talent management and consulting, uh, and we saw software and saw the opportunities for these things, 
what led for what started in the conversation about feedback about how people how do you learn and how do you how does the world kind of operate and educate you and how do you encounter ideas and and how do you get signal and change and that this we, we sort of bemoan this fact that as a child or a kid you you had this great line of feedback that that it's an error signal in what you do so you try to do something and something either happens to you or something tells you that's the wrong thing and you you go through the formal education system and you have feedback constantly you're constantly taking tests getting grades etc you 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 graduate and matriculate out of this and come into the real world and all of a sudden as you transition into a into a professional or even a leader um, you lose this line of sight into into true feedback you stop getting a regular check of how are you doing how are things going you have to then you sit there and and then this is where people float and they struggle and they don't know should i ask are they comfortable to ask are the people that would give them feedback who aren't in a position where this is required of them or a natural part of their function how are they incentivized to do so and then why would they ever or or do they and can they do it in the right way could they even do it anyways and it's all these questions that untangle this this problem of giving feedback that gave rise to what we wanted to do at rabbit and we fundamentally wanted to build the best software experience for changing the way that people give and receive feedback so that they can grow grow themselves grow their abilities grow their companies grow their teams that's what we set out to do with rabbit that's great so when you developed this idea, you and your co-founder, was it out of an experience that both of you had, or you know, you mentioned this idea of as kids we learn X? Yeah, did it really come from that specifically? I think it, I think it was engendered as, as, as the confluence of our professional lives of being uh, organizational psychologists, of being technologists, of being people in a place where we were working with extremely high functioning people that were still struggling with these very real problems and starting to just from a scientific standpoint dig into that and try to understand the root cause of it. And in pairing this with our lives as, as parents and as a former ac- academics or, or people who went through the, 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 the college and learning system and, and on our own little learning and development journeys, like these, it's where these things meet where we started to ask these questions to try to pick this apart. And then as we dug into it, our leanings as technologists, as people who love to look at innovations in software, in um, in data science, like what are these taking this domain that we have this this understanding in? How can we use and leverage software to solve the problem? And that's where it, that's where it comes from. I think we had to have, be at a place in our time in our careers where we knew enough about the innovative trends in software, and we had a deep understanding of how human beings interact in organizations, and then this fundamental intellectual curiosity of, uh, of why we haven't done a better job mm-hmm. of growing talent. Yeah. And that's, that's really what had to happen for, for Rabbit as an idea and as a product to really be born out of that. That's great. I want to say, you know, I know on your website you have, you know, opportunity to demo and kind of yeah. like plug in all this stuff and then see what populates out. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, 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 uh, it's an intense thing. It's, it's wonderful. We use it ourselves. That's so I think right. the coolest thing about us is we dog food our own product. So my team uses it every day. Yeah, uh huh. The dog eats the food, right? Like that's yeah. it. So so we 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 eat what we make. Um, we and I'll tell you, my first experience of it was uh, this definitely 
something that I don't think, and, and I had this conversation with Alexander, my co-founder, who, who, who's an, uh, an organizational psychologist by trade. We had this conversation earlier today when we were talking with a, a new customer of, uh, you know, when we set out to do this thing, we always envision yourself like impacting the customer's life, like making a customer happy, making a customer excited about your product. But what we never really accounted for was the fact that when we started using this ourselves, that we would act, that some of, I think, the most meaningful things that have happened so far in the life of my business have involved me using my own thing. So the first time I got feedback in my system from my team about my behaviors around communication, it was this emotional moment of going, holy shit, (laughs) like this is what... This, this is okay. People are telling me that this is something where I've got a chance to improve. I can get stronger at this. And it made me, in that split second of, of seeing that score, of seeing that result, of seeing that feedback, I had an emotional reaction. And in that, within that reaction itself, that's where I knew we had something. Was because it elicited a response mm-hmm. completely decoupled from the fact that this is my product and my company. It was just a human thing of, oh, what? What's going on? I want to understand this. And, it, and that's when I knew we had something. And I, just kind of getting back to where I was, I don't, know, I don't know if we ever intentionally thought that we would make something with that goal in mind. But having hit that milestone, that was very, very important to us. That's so cool. Yeah. That's really awesome. Um, so I want to segue right into talking about how you first started working with sure. IW because I can totally see how why we were like this is a great idea we want to be on board and help you out Des um, who's here who's one of our EIRs can you talk a little bit about what you saw in Rabbit and why you wanted to bring them on as a portfolio company well the first time I can speak about that yes well, the first time I'm, we met, you were, or I don't know if we actually met, but you were presenting, I was part of the re- group reviewing the Alpha Lab. Applicants. Uh, the applicants yeah. back in, I'm not sure exactly when it was. Uh, December of 2015, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, you presented, and, I, and, and having, having been a long-time participant in and observer of various corporate efforts mm-hmm. to make employees more effective set goals, help them accomplish them, etc. And in mm-hmm. many cases... December 2016. Sorry, I was just taking 16, my math while we were talking. Yeah. Yeah. And seeing them fail miserably in many, many cases. Sure. I just thought this was a very intriguing um, opportunity. And I thought, you know, I love, the, I love the binary aspect of it. I love the fact that you could group responses so that you could measure not just individuals, but teams, mm-hmm. as well as potentially entire companies and sort of understand the return on investment of the investment in your human capital development, etc. I just thought that was a really novel and cool idea. Yeah. And I thought, and then I think we followed up, or I followed up in person after that whole process, and we engaged at that point. Yeah, I think that's, a, that's awesome. Uh, you know, my first actual, you know, I totally forget sometimes that the Alpha Lab, how intrinsically connected you are, and that that's where we first encountered. Because I think of my first interaction with IW, and it actually wasn't with Dez, Formally, I think it was with Jeff McDaniel because I took advantage of something that I think a lot of the entrepreneurial community here in Pittsburgh should take advantage of, which is your open office hours. Yes. Mm-hmm. So um, we had actually, you know, thinking through the timeline, we had had that interaction at 
uh, Alpha Lab, famously, Rabbit did not get into Alpha Lab. Uh, you know, from a, what I would, you know, in, in talking about where we were as a company then, neither of us were full time, right? We had just the idea of the product. We hadn't actually fundamentally built much other than early sketch prototypes, but we had the theory laid out. And I think that that made total sense to looking back to we weren't ready. Right for Alpha Lab, it wouldn't have been the right time. But that wasn't the end of the resource opportunity here, which is nice. Like that's where the that we came in and, and we were able to come into the 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 open office hours and just have a conversation with an EIR uh, with Jeff about just about anything. But in this case, you know, I was talking through my product, talking through the way it works, and trying to understand more about the I, the IW process. And then as we matured and as we worked with that and kept reconnecting, that's when we were able to kind of get routed to a more appropriate resource. Jeff does, Jeff does awesome stuff, but a lot of times with materials and manufacturing, is that kind of his specialty? Energy. Energy, energy, that's, that's Jeff. Uh, and then we got to Des, who is definitely more aligned with the things that we affect. And that's when we, we were able to engage with, you know, like a person who is extremely giving of his time and patience, I will say, uh, kind of hearing us out and, uh, and, and helping us and advising us and served as, a, as definitely as, an, as somebody that for us, I think a challenge that you have as an entrepreneur, especially if you come in it from uh, an area of intense domain expertise like we do, you can get a little blinded by your own knowledge. And what helps is to have a resource who has seen companies of different kinds grow and, and, and address challenges, et cetera, but not be biased by your intense viewpoint on your domain. Yeah. So that, that, that completely objective person who participates as someone who then you can test, like, how well do you explain your idea? How well do you articulate it? How well do you do all of these things? Um, and that's that resource for us was extremely helpful. Yeah, and so does actually, you know, Kevin, you're talking about this experience and an expertise. Can you share with us a little bit more about this experience and expertise that we're now hearing about? I'd, I'd love to know more. Sure. <laughs> for listeners, Des is sitting here starting to blush, which is <laughs> really important. <laughs> and he's fair. He's a fair-skinned Irish guy like me, so he is just beat red. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> so my background, so what brought me to this uh, to this moment in time? Um, so my background is three different things. Number one, it's um, it's consumer products, uh, marketing, brand management, end of things. Also entrepreneurship, with experience in a number of different companies. And then the last piece was consulting with. Um, the strategy practice of, of what used to be called uh, Coopers and Library and became PwC, PricewaterhouseCoopers. So, um, and then on the consumer product side, it was mostly around data and the effective uses of data in sales and marketing pursuits. So that was kind of my background. Jack of all trades, if you will. Yeah. I mean, don't be modest. <laughs> <laughs> sure. That's great. Well, we're lucky to have you, and I'm, I'm sure Rabbit's been lucky to have your support and, you know, all the time, apparently, that you've given, right? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's 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 been it's been a ride, man. It's like uh, we're still so early in, and I think that we're extremely lucky to have uh, to have Des to have uh, like to have outside advisors who who are willing to to get in there and 
and just be direct, right? Like that's the other part of the resources. Even even before we came into the portfolio, when you're going and you're getting evaluated, like he sets a. I think it, it, the the communication style that's been helpful for us has just been look here is directly the things that will be expected of a performant company in your space. And here's the structure of what that looks like. So now let's talk about your strategy for reaching those things and help me help me understand, help he helps me understand and his the goal is for me to help him understand where my strategy then meets productivity, like actually producing things, which means hitting objectives, filling out this this framework for having a company that 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 is de-risk as an investment asset, but more importantly is put on a positive performance track to really achieve our goals, right? To be a real thing and to be a considerable player in our market. And what I think is great about this company, in particular Rabbit, is both Alexander and Kevin are both seasoned professionals and it makes, you know, who have been through the you know, through the mill, you've, you've you've done your thing seriously. You've yeah. done, you've accomplished a lot of things in your own right. You come to this with a, a very professional perspective on on, on accomplishing goals and, and uh, structuring your thoughts, structuring your pathway, anticipating outcomes, and really aiming for them and, and, and getting things done. And as somebody in my role, that is refreshing. Let me assure you. Well, I think like for me, I, I, that's why I haven't cut my hair or shaved my beard. Really, is because I don't want to look too young. Because I think yeah. I, I don't want to get confused with the uh, fresh out of college entrepreneur when I'm sitting down with the uh, with leadership from a, a Fortune 500 company or a large enterprise company and having a discussion about their talent practices and uh, some macro trends and and how they shape human behavior. You kind of want to be taken seriously, so you whip out the glasses and make sure the gray. <laughs> show and then all of a sudden you've got that legitimacy although i will say my hair is a bit long there uh dear listener you can't see this right now but uh we'll we'll, we'll call this my we're calling this my rally hair for the uh, fundraising we're doing right now and the the rumor on the street is that as we close the full round uh that there's a there's definitely a haircut in store which my wife uh is waiting with bated breath i think she's but she's been she's been acceptably patient through all this uh through this time but yeah so you just mentioned meeting with different companies. Can mm-hmm. you share with us a little bit about some of the clients and some of the businesses you've been able to work with? And of course, if you can't name names, it's fine too. Sure. But really curious how this has been received on kind of the client end, yeah. on the consumer side. Yeah. Yeah, I think there's there's some customers where uh, it, it, what's lovely about our product is that it, since it tackles a pretty broad space of fundamentally all we need is white collar cross functional people like people that work together in teams or work in projects and work together uh, to be fun to, and they're relatively skilled in what they do, then that are, that's the minimum viability we need as a customer. And so this leads to some interesting interactions when you're a super small startup where you come at this as a broad thing. We've been pretty opportunistic in the companies we've worked with. We've worked with really small companies and teams, as small as uh, the team at Ascender, uh, which is a, a co-working and startup ecosystem space here in, in East Liberty, and then moving up a level to the beauty shop, the people who administer lots of spaces like where Ascender operates. And these folks are great because you have small teams that are still seeing the value, and what helps what it helps us do is validate the most basic, fundamental individual user experiences. And now when I go and sit down with... Uh, some of the Fortune 500s where we're very in early stages with those folks, so I, I won't, I unfortunately won't name names, but the, the lovely part of these, they, they're working on very big problems with very large distributed workforces, um, 
and now we we've kind of have the proof points that are that are valid where we can still what we paid attention to early on is that building something with scale in mind from day one. I know that there's a lot of uh, of stuff with the, uh, that comes out of the Reed Hoffman space, uh, founder of LinkedIn, who says you know do things uh, that don't scale early, right? And that's and that's okay. And we do that to a certain extent, especially around say the way that we consult around our product or the how close we hold a customer's hand through implementation and onboarding. That doesn't scale forever for us very evenly and very well with humans, but the reason we do it so early is because it eases adoption and it gets us a lot of information and data around how the customer perceives the product, how do they perceive the value of the product, what do they understand, what do they like, what should we change, what should we bring that's extra. And so those insights are really important, mm-hmm. right? So with, with us, with when, we, when we, we've worked with these small people and now you come back to this Fortune 500 person and their needs are totally different. The needs of enterprise are 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 they couldn't be more night and day. Everything from the buying process to the evaluation process to the fundamental needs, the technology needs, the technology considerations. There, you cannot. Re- I don't think it's a practical thing to say I'm going to operate an SMB and then I'll just magically turn into enterprise. So I, the the way that we orient ourselves towards this is we're building an enterprise solution and an enterprise product that can downstream and, and, and benefit these SMBs at these early adopters, these people who are not change averse. We use them as kind of our place where we can deliver them value that they probably wouldn't ever experience not being a large enterprise, right? People wouldn't give them the time of day or reach out to them because they're not a big ticket item. For us, there are, there are early adopters that, are, that we love um, because they will try things, they'll experiment, and they're okay if, 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 uh, with, with implementing a change in their organization. So there's value there, but the important part for us is that from day one when we architected the product and we thought about the space, we used to. We came from a place where we consulted heavily in enterprise, and we consulted heavily in the Fortune 50. Um, so we always wanted to be working in that space to start with, right? And that was important for us in how we built out the product. I, that might have been a very meandering <laughs> answer. No, it's, oh. no, it's a good answer. Thinking a little bit about the needs that you've had mm-hmm. as a CEO of a startup. Um, What's some advice that you would give to a startup CEO who, or you know, someone who's thinking about starting a business, okay, um, who might be listening? Yeah, uh, and I think maybe it's around um, feedback and uh, some of the things that your company does. Well, uh, I think I think there's uh, there's a couple of ways I could talk about this. Uh, this topic's big, mm-hmm. like. Just like the CEO role, which I found out right through this, um, there's there's stuff you thought you'd never do. You didn't like no one told you when you signed up that you'd be talking about how do you do like should you capitalize on the uh, on, uh, on your development costs as a depreciating asset? Like like there's like financing stuff you never knew you'd have to speak to all along the way to. Um, sales and implementation and working with a customer that you anticipated that you thought you would absolutely engage in to advise that that person that that the I think for us what we'd like to what I would do is say uh, what would I do the same and what would I change right I think that's a fair way of looking back at it um, the things that I would do the same is 
making sure that you are focusing on connecting with the customer as much as possible and building out like a genuine, authentic relationship with them. The customer is not something that you look at as a sales opportunity. The customer, especially early on, is a fundamental partner and needs to be a believer and an evangelizer of the thing you do. Right? Like that to me is an extremely important thing that I would advise to be the front of mind of anyone that's going to start something and to put very genuine effort into doing that. Uh, the other piece of this is that I would advise a, a, somebody that's considering starting their own thing to ask the, que- the honest question, how much do I really understand about the space I'm going into? And if, and if depending on what the, like try to be honest with yourself. And then if, if the answer is, well, maybe not a lot, but I still have passion around this, I still want to be in this space, then make a clear pathway for how you would imbibe knowledge. Like how would you, what, where would you find the fire hoses you could drink from, right? Would it be, are there uh, potential customers that you could talk to and learn more about the space, right? Are there experts in the field? Are there other companies? Are there... Uh, even if it is competitors, what, are the, what does that landscape look like and, and who could you talk to and reach to to have meaningful conversations with to, to, to you know, increase your own knowledge and skill? What could you learn? Like what is out there as resources? Because I think the biggest mistake that, that you can make and that I've seen, because I think here's a cool thing about being in Pittsburgh, right, as a founder right now, is there is a ton of activity in the startup land here. And now that we're over a year old and we've raised some money and we're still rocking and rolling and, and, and on an upward trajectory, which is awesome, the side effect of that is there's people that went through the, the Alpha Lab process with us. There's people that went through uh, a Cinder's Boot Camp alongside us when we went into that incubator that have completely flared out and died. And so you've seen like how sort of brutal it can be. And the common theme I see of anybody that struggles is a fundamental lack of domain expertise. Like that's a trend that I it's fascinating to me. That's not to say that there aren't people that start really effective companies in a space that they didn't know anything about, but I think that there's you have to be very careful when you look at things that are already successful of the winner bias of all the littered the lit, the littered landscape of things that came before them that tried similar or same stuff that failed. And, under, and, and underestimating that being the bottom part of the iceberg, right? The winners are up here. They're above the water. They've broken up. But for every one company that survived a year, there's probably a thousand that didn't, mm-hmm. right? You're, you're, you're peppered with this one out of this one to a, a, a huge number of this low percentage of succeeding. And I think it, uh, you hit, you're hit with this from your VCs, from everywhere else, from the funding community of it's always a small percentage of people that make it out. Uh, but I think that if you really analyze the, the common thread of, of, of the huge mass, it probably follows a distribution like a lot of things do, right? Yeah. Um, and, and, and then that fat chunk, that 80% of that distribution, I'd be really curious of where these people are in their fundamental domain expertise and the matureness of their career and if there's a, a, a strong correlation to that failure rate and those things being fundamentally lacking. That's really interesting. Yeah. I'm wondering, Des, since yeah. you've worked with so many companies, so, so, so many companies. I'm so um, effective. <laughs> and I saw you shaking your head a lot positively at a lot of what Kevin was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, 
specifically about domain expertise and founders having it or not and failing or not. Um, do you have thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> what are your thoughts on that? <laughs> um Getting back to the concept of of, uh, of, of you know what, what, what things that people need to be thinking about as they sort of embark or not embark but as they're on this pathway, mm-hmm. um, I think you know this, it gets back to this whole um, you know MVP and getting customer validation mm-hmm. early can you, can you and really MVP quickly, just for uh, minimum viable product etc. Getting early, getting early feedback, getting early and independent feedback on the concept that you're working on. So defining the concept and getting falling in love with it yourself is great, but that and two fifty gets you a cup of coffee. Because you know, going back to sort of some of the stuff I've done in the past, which is yeah, uh, you know, marketing, brand management, data, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, uh, one person's opinion is just one data point. So if you're the CEO of a company and you're founder of a company, you're still just one data point. So getting out there, getting something that people can react to, even if it's just a concept, if it's an idea, getting that initial independent reaction to, to, to whatever it is you think you're going to build and then as you go on, I'm not talking about just software, I'm talking about just whatever it happens to be, hardware, whatever the thing is, getting customers or potential customers to give you feedback as to, as to their perspectives on what it is you're doing and whether you're going the right way and if they were doing it themselves, what they would do differently and ultimately at the end of the day if they were to, if it was worth them paying money for it, how much might they pay, and things like that, those sort of ideas. Getting that early and often as you evolve your company is really important. So that, you know, understanding the needs of the customers are the same thing. But I think as, as we, as I've worked with companies, much of that, much of what I've seen is, is people falling in love with their own ideas sometimes and then not being able to, to, to um, mm-hmm. repeat that when they go to market. So, yeah. And I, and I think that the, and sometimes a thing that's comorbid with the entrepreneurial spirit, so to speak, uh, is is this uh, not only this uh, penchant for passion of falling in love with your own product, but then a to to you know for better or for worse a certain bullishness in your mentality, a a, a belief that you are so right, and then you have to have this belief. It's the drive that wants that makes you want to push forward, and where that that comes into this this sort of this point of friction with sometimes you, you have to be able to accept the fact that when you talk to your customers that you may get feedback that's the opposite of what your passion and drive is, is trying to indicate. And then that's a really hard thing to say, to, to step back and say, what is the reason why they don't get my vision or they don't agree with my product or they want this to do something different? Is it because I'm just too far bleeding edge or is it because I genuinely don't have a viable business here? And that is an extremely, extremely difficult thing to self-evaluate. And I think that as someone who's gone through parts of that, the thing that you, this is where you lean on your co-founders, this is where you look at your advisors, this is where you, fi- you build this circle of trust where you can have a very open conversation to check that thinking and really get as much and big of a sample of these, of these pieces of feedback as you can. To me, it actually sounds so similar to, to your product, to Rabbit. I mean, it's getting feedback. Yeah, it's, getting it's feedback. the error signal. Exactly. It's right. the error signal. It's getting the feedback early, often from your team or supervisor mm-hmm. or even supervisee of how one can improve. Right. Because as humans, whether you're a professional uh, in any industry, 
none of us love negative feedback. Right. Positive feedback, we love it. Negative feedback, not as much. And, you know, if there's a way to do constructive feedback in a way, in a format that is safe, which Rabbit certainly creates that environment, we're more receptive to it. And so it sounds like, similarly, within the startup methodology, same type of thing. Right. It's a safe feedback early, you're able to, to create the product much better early on. Well, I think something that's very important about that to further parallel it to us, um, perhaps shamelessly, but but I think this is a, va- a, a definitely a valid discussion and a really good point. Um, so what we talk about a lot is not just getting the feedback, the error signal, but actually closing the loop, right? So the loop of taking you, and the loop becomes, I got this this feedback that's perhaps negative. Let's let's say it's negative, right? Like I I tried my product, then what, uh, and it didn't work. Or in Rabbit's case, you know, I, I as a leader, I've interacted with my team, and they're giving me negative feedback on my ability to delegate work to them efficiently, right? They say I hold on to tasks too much, I don't let things go, whatever that is. What we the way we would frame it in Rabbit would say, okay, the next thing to dig into is why this matters. So I want to get you bought into why this is important, why this thing is meaningful, and then how. How do I change this and how do I iterate that? And you can apply this same, this same model to the entrepreneurial experience of it's not just that a customer rejected my idea or doesn't want to buy my product. What's really important then is you, you pick apart the why. Try to understand the why. Push your understand that, and it's that why that holds all the things that will convince you of of the validity of their statement, right? Like that'll help with it, and it'll and it'll, it'll open the door to the how. The what do you iterate and change, right? Is it how you change a feature? Is it just how you present a feature? Is it how is it how some property of the product needs to be changed to really fulfill and and, and change their? In, in this case, in Rabbit, it would be here's how to delegate work in a way that, that that fosters you letting go of it. We might show you a positive model of this or give you some other developmental exercise. In the entrepreneurial space, it's go and uh, do, a, like, do a new mock-up or, or write some code or build another version of this. And then what we would coach is then go right back to the customer and say, I heard you, here's where we changed and let's continue the cycle. And you have to be bought in to the cycle itself. You have to be okay with the fact that this is how it works, that this is, I, I will work, I will, I will show you what I've done, I, I've tried, I've taken in some information, and here's me going at it again, and I should expect to see some feedback. Do I get, is it positive, is it negative? That'll be the result of how well I adjusted on the how piece of this. And so yeah, there's parallels there for sure. And that's where I'd encourage, you have to have a certain uh, willingness to, to to be rejected, to to not get things right the first time, to iterate. You have to be bought into this iterative process for all your own personal development and for your business and your products itself. If you do that and you approach this thing, your I think your outcomes are going to be like the research would say. You're likely to have a, a stronger outcome. Yeah, it's such great advice. I mean, it's, frankly, it's advice that we should start giving students who are high school, college age to really be prepared, you know, to go out into the real world, whether they become entrepreneurs or they're going into academia or in a medical field or education, you know, what have you, Uh, you know, this idea of getting feedback early, often, and taking it. Yeah. (laughs) So helpful. Right. And I think the biggest piece of it is to to frame that why and how, because it, 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 the, the hardest thing is the emotionality. Like, emotions are real. Like, you have to, it, 
emotions are what make us human, really. And, and, and getting negative feedback can be just such an emotionally intense experience. And, if, and we try to do this with our product very purposefully. If I can move you, if I can move you away from, from the emotion and have you focus on why the thing that you got negative feedback is important, and then, then while I've got you emotionally available to say, you know, I'm in this place where I just, it's not working and I wanted to understand more, I want to change, et cetera, and I move you to the how piece of this very quickly. And while you're in that thing, it's more likely that it's going to stick. You're going to remember this. It's going to be meaningful. It's going to be developmental for you. And I think that that's the key part is that, that you have to, acknowledging the emotion absolutely critical, but it, the, everything that's going to be productive exists beyond it. And exist, so so the, the point of maturation, the challenge for you to grow, if you're young, if you're new coming out of college, if you're, even if you're me in the middle of your career, like the uh, understanding when you're having an emotional reaction to something and trying to purposely put that away and focus on the productive bits. That's the challenge set out for you. And that's what will make you stronger than the other people in your space trying to, to be innovative. So can you tell us, how can our listeners follow you on social media, or how else can we connect with you outside of just listening to you on the podcast today? Sure, yeah. You can come and check us out at rabbit.co. Now, we spell it a little funky. <laughs> it's habit with an R in front of it, so R-H-A-B-I-T.co. That's our website. Uh, you can follow us at rabbit app on Twitter. And uh, I'm on Twitter as well as an individual at J underscore K underscore Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y. It's, uh, I got to get a better handle or something, but the name Kevin Kelly is just so common. Uh, it's like, it's, 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 uh, we'll, we'll work on this. Um, but yeah, like you can, you can always follow us there and check us out. Uh, reach out to us, have a conversation with us. If you're a leader, if you're a, a, a company and you are interested in how you uh, build a culture of feedback, that can, that that is super super productive and growth oriented. Like, reach out, have a conversation with us. We've got some ideas, and we've got something really cool that we think will help. And if I could add to that, you know, you're talking about big, high level stuff. I think just in terms of the execution of what you do for a company considering using what you're doing, it's so easy because it is binary and it's about observed behaviors. Yeah. Did this happen? Yes or no? That's yeah. the old. That's as, as simple as that. Yeah. Did when if uh, we always talk about uh, uh, you know if we wh- where we could use these these rabbit the rabbit way and methodology and I think you could easily come out of this podcast and say you know uh, was this insightful information yes or no like these are the yeah. that's all you that's what you care about fundamentally. Well, I think that's a great uh, a great place for us to end today. Yeah. And uh, we want to thank both of you for joining us, both Kevin and Des. Uh, it was great for us to learn more about Rabbit and uh, for our listeners as well. And uh, yeah. Okay, I feel like I am a better employee just from listening, to, <laughs> from hearing from Kevin and talking to Des and and being able to interview them. Um, I think that the power of really being able to thoughtfully ask questions of other people and accept what they're saying and provide feedback um, was what Kevin really talked about today. And it's so important as an employee, as a manager. Um, I hope that you all took some um, great information from this episode. And I hope that you'll reach out to Rabbit if you're interested in using their product. So until next time, listeners, enjoy that caffeine as you innovate something great. Pam and Jen signing off. 
Caffeinated Innovation is a product of Innovation Works Inc., a Ben Franklin technology partner. Our theme music is by a startable Pittsburgh alum, Ethan Ziegler, and it's called Bring the Soul. For more episodes, you can find us at innovationworks.org slash caffeinated innovation.
okay, I feel like I am a better employee just from listening to <laughs> from hearing from Kevin and talking to Des and, and being able to interview them. Um, I think that the power of really being able to thoughtfully ask questions of other people and accept what they're saying and provide feedback um, was what Kevin really talked about today and it's so important as an employee, as a manager. Um, I hope that you all took some um, great information from this episode and I hope that you'll reach out to Rabbit if you're interested in using their product. So until next time listeners, enjoy that caffeine as you innovate something great. Pam and Jen signing off.